All right, everybody, let's do this. Fearless Conversations, the Serpents and Doves podcast with Pablo Frasini. Boy, I got a surprise for everybody. I went no hat today. Today, I went glary Larry on the dome. So if you guys have too much glare in your eyes, you might want to put some sunglasses on. I figured, you know what? My dome needs to air out, I guess. It needs to see the the day of light, the light of day. Wait, like they say in Willy Wonka, the first one. Wait, stop that. Rewind, reverse that, something along those lines. <laughs> Anyways, what's going on, everybody? Good to see y'all. It's good to be back. Another solo. I mean, a lot of, flo- uh, a lot of solo flights, huh? Um, I'm excited for part three B and I had to break it up cause it was long and maybe today if I don't, um, oh yeah. And by the way, sorry, I'm not even wearing my glasses. I, you know, I decided not to. So if you see me squinting like this, it's because I can't see the screen and you would imagine I, I should probably put my glasses on, but whatever. Today's different that way. So anyways, listen, I'm happy. I'm glad to uh, to be back with you guys. I enjoy these times together. Solo flights are cool. It's a little unnerving at times because you don't want to be that person. I guess one of the, the no-nos, whether you're speaking publicly or on radio or wherever, is what they call dead time. Yeah, just like that. That's so weirdy, right? Anyways, I'm hoping not to do that. So solo flights are um solo flights are are for me they're a little nerve-wracking, but God's good. The Lord is good. And I can't thank you guys for your prayers. Love it, love it, love it. So listen, I'm excited again for today. A lot of good stuff to talk about. I'm going to try to get through this. I always say the same thing, right? I know some of you guys are going, oh boy, it's the same old, same old. He's going to try to get through it, but he doesn't get through it. Listen, <laughs> it is what it is, all right? Uh, so uh, I'm excited. Let's do housekeeping, and uh, we'll we'll jump right on into it. So again, Serpents and Doves website, as if you guys aren't familiar with this, right? For those that are new to the channel, welcome, welcome, welcome. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe to the channel, um, and, um, click the like and share it, share with as many people as, as you possibly can, friends, family, coworkers, whatever, right? At the end of the day, they're not going to get mad at you. They're going to get mad at me. So I'm going to be the one that's going to get the emails anyways. All right. Serpents and Dove site. Always. Uh, if you want to, uh, receive the newsletter, just put your email right there. Click send, bada bing, bada bang. That easy, right? And, uh, Again, everything's here. Some updates are going to happen soon. I was hoping to get them done before Christmas. Maybe. We'll see. I'm trying to hurry up, trying to rush through this. But you can't rush a good thing, right? Can't hurry it up. So if you like everything you see, if you, if you guys enjoy the content, if you, if you like it, if you feel led of the Lord to even leave maybe a one-time donation or you want to support the ministry and partner with it on a monthly basis, you could do that. I mean, uh, you could go right here, the two little buttons, um, donate, and then monthly, click whichever one suits uh, or the lead of the Lord, and uh, we're golden. All right, so 
Let's get back to good old Baldy Locks. Yeah, today I'm going Baldy Locks. Well, I'm always Baldy Locks, but like I said, today I'm going Larry Larry. So, um, anyways, folks, I'm excited today. Lots to talk about. Hope you guys have been having a good start to the Christmas season. Uh, here in Cali, it's been Southern Cali, it's been toasty. I'm sure a lot of you have probably had some real Christmas weather. Well, because we're in the Northern Hemisphere, right? When I lived in Argentina, Christmas was kind of weirdy that way because it was a million degrees. It's summer down there and it's humid, it's hot. Uh, you're in flip flop shorts, but then again, it could happen here in Southern California where. Uh, we get a heat wave and we're in flip-flops, shorts, and a short sleeve t-shirt. Who knows? We'll see. But I hope you guys are enjoying it, getting into the Word of God. Uh, one thing that I just kind of wanted to bring up, I was excited at church. Uh, we do a read through the Bible every year. I haven't done it just because I'm, you know, boohoo that way, uh, party pooper. But uh, my family and I, we decided that this coming year, we not that we haven't read through the Bible in a year, but we didn't do it uh, with the church. So uh, 2024 is going to be exciting. I want to encourage you guys, if you don't have a one-year Bible and you guys want to go alongside, I might do some podcasts on that. If I feel led of the Lord, something that really kind of uh, stood out, then we can talk about those together. You could go on the Chino Hills, uh, Calvary Chapel Chino Hills website, and uh, I believe it's Calvary Chapel Chino Hills, or don't quote me, or jackhibbs.com. might be jackhibbs.com. Get the one-year Bible, and uh, we can start in January. The cool thing is that if you skip a day, if you miss some, whatever it is, for whatever reason, because at the end of the day, some of us might not make it. Uh, okay, I'm not saying I want. I'm gonna try my hardest. But listen, sometimes life gets in the way of. Well, when I say that, that just didn't come out right. Sometimes things come up, right? And you miss a day, and you miss two days, or you miss three days, and then we give up because we're like, that's oh, too much to make up. It doesn't matter. So we're not gonna do it that way. They don't do it like that at church. If you missed three, four days, you pick up on the day of whatever day a week it is, right? If it's Monday, you start Monday or whatever day. You guys understand, right? Okay, cool. Um, all right, moving on. I don't have any more announcements, but moving on. So like I said, so today we're going to finish off part three. I might get through it in eh, 45 minutes, maybe. Um, but if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you guys to turn to Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 16. And uh, that's where we're going to be heading um, you know what? Give me a second here while I go to my Vundava. There we go. All right, here we go. Yes. All right, family. Look, um, if we're really going to be honest with ourselves, I'm just going to get cracking here. If we're really going to be honest with ourselves, let's face it. Uh, the fact that Christianity, uh, well, let's say Christianity today uh, does not, it, it doesn't appear, it's not, how should I say this? It doesn't appear attractive to others. I mean, I know that that's a really harsh statement, but I think we really, really need to be honest about that, right? If we're, if we're going to get down to the nitty gritty, uh, I remember Chuck Smith used to say, this was back in the day, he used to say, if you were to take a popularity contest between Satan and Jesus, 
Satan would win hands down. So it's not a it's not far reaching to say that Christianity isn't all that attractive to many folks these days. Unfortunately, right in today's world, in today's society, it's just not. It it isn't. And so is there is there a remedy to that? A remedy. I mean, there are things that we could do as Christ followers, born again, Bible believing Christians, there are things that we're called to do to reverse that, right? To change that trend. I mean, at the end of the day, we are called to be a salt and light to the world. So my question is, what should we be doing as we wait for the Lord, as we as we uh, approach the day? Again, remember, the rapture is a signless event. There, There's nothing that needs to happen for the rapture to happen. So how should we be living our lives as we near closer and closer with every passing day? As a means to be a light, be salt to the world, right? I'm sure many of us have heard, maybe we've even used it, that idiom, put your money where your mouth is. Well, then in that case... The best way for us, I think, to be rapture ready, and let me even say this, one of the best ways we can be rapture ready is to try and get other people rapture ready. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. End of series. Done. No, just kidding. But if we're going to really summarize it, essentially that's really what it is. And maybe not even rapture ready, Uh, maybe graduation ready, if you guys know what I mean, because... None of us know when that day will come. Prayerfully, the rapture will come. But at the end of the day, we need to be ready, essentially, right? And so we need to be living our faith out loud. I think for many, many decades, a lot of those within the church, a lot of us, me included many times, uh, lip service. That's all I gave. I, I, I was a lip service believer. But we need to live our lives in such a way that we draw thirst in others right? We want to live in such a way that others want what we have. They want to serve God because they see God in us and through us. And obviously, salvation is begun by, it's it's something that is started by the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. But again, we, we really do need to live our lives in such a way that it bears the undeniable, irrefutable marks of fervent faith, of fervent Christianity, true Christianity, right? Of a faithful servant to Christ. So what I want to do right now is I'm just going to go ahead and, and kind of summarize, restate what I said in part three. Obviously not everything. But this for sure, that it is impossible, it's impossible to love God and to not serve Him. It's like uh, those two don't, uh, you can't separate the two. They go hand in hand. If you love God, you're going to serve Him. If you're a Christian, if you're a Bible-believing believer, duh, (laughs) Bible-believing believer, I hope so, (laughs) if If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you say you love God, you are going to find some way to express that love. And 
one of the best ways that we could set ourselves apart, set ourselves aside is serving others, right? And of course, this is essentially one of the major ways, one of the biggest ways that we could serve the Lord. So then how does a person who's committed to living a life of service to the Lord live his or her life? What does that look like? And I know we've kind of covered that in part one, two, and in the half part of three. But I think there's a lot that we could add to it. So essentially, at the end of this entire series, we're probably going to look at ourselves and go, wow, we're not doing a whole lot, right? And I'm, again, I'm batching myself into this. There's a whole lot that we could be doing, and I know we're not doing it. Why? Why do I know, and many of you as well, if we're going to be honest again with ourselves, how do we know that we're not doing everything we possibly can? Because if we were, if the body of Christ, if the church was doing everything they can, living right, doing things according to the Word of God, trust me, our country would look a whole lot different. The world would look very different. So look, again, uh, I would encourage you to, if you don't have your Bible, go get it. Go grab a cup of coffee real quick, a tea, water, kombucha. I hope y'all know what kombucha is. I love kombucha. I drink kombucha, but I thought I'd bring that up. I don't know if you, does anyone, I drink kombucha with dinner. That'd be, well, some people might drink it. Anyway, sidetrack. Let's just stop right there. Let's just get crack a lacking, shall we? Um, so listen, I want to encourage you, if you haven't heard the first part of part three, go check it out. I'll link it down below so you guys can go listen to it and then come back because I don't want anybody to get lost or be scratching their heads and going, what in the world? What is he talking about? So listen, the last uh, the last characteristic that we touched on was, uh, I believe it was number three. It was number three. So that's why I want you to go back because I don't have time to rehash it all. Um, so go check it out. And today we're going to be talking uh, the remaining three characteristics, I believe. Three, yeah, three. So number four, number four, the fourth identifying characteristic is a life marked by courageous faith under fire. Yep, courageous faith under fire. Um, let me kind of jump on over here. Let me get on over. Uh, let me see, where is it at? Right here. And there we go. Again, the fourth identifying characteristic is a life marked by uh, courageous faith under fire. If you have your Bibles, Romans 12, 12 from New King James, and I am going to read a couple, a few from the Amplified, because the Amplified amplifies it. That was deep. That was deep, folks. All right, verse 12 of Romans 12 says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. And the Amplified says, constantly rejoicing in hope, right? If we amplify that because of our confidence in Christ. That's why we could constantly rejoice in hope. Steadfast and patient in distress, tribulation, distress, devoted to prayer. And what it means is to be continually seeking wisdom, guidance, and strength. Where do we find those things? We find those things in the Word of God. So this verse essentially speaks about having that kind of faith, that that bold, courageous faith 
even when going through difficult times uh, when being persecuted for one's beliefs. And I know that the word persecuted uh, might mean different, might have different uh, degrees depending who you're talking to, right? Depending who you're talking to. Um, so it's important to remember this, especially, especially in the current times that we're living in, where more people are martyred for their faith than in all of the generations up to this one today, the generation we are living in today. We must learn how to how to have that courageous faith under fire. Look, I'm sure there's a lot of you that have gotten made fun of at work, maybe. You've been ridiculed for your faith. All right, who cares, right? Kind of reminds me of, um, of I think, I want to say 1 Samuel. I believe it was 1 Samuel. It was when... Um, when Samuel got upset because the people wanted a king. And he 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 did. He got upset. And the Lord essentially told him, hey, Samuel, take it easy, all right? Listen, listen I appreciate your zeal. I appreciate, you know, your uh, your your love for me. I, I appreciate what you're feeling. Thank you very much. But remember, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me as their king, capital K. So when you share your faith and somebody doesn't like it or they get upset, it is what it is. You know what I mean? They're not rejecting you. Uh, they're rejecting Christ. And that could be to their eternal detriment. You know, I'm sure that a lot of the cards that we've passed out, the gospel cards, they probably get tossed in the trash. You know, I mean, there's nothing we could do. We, what God calls us to do is to live our faith out loud and to talk, to speak. I mean, we still have it fairly easy in this country. I would say easy compared to a lot of other ones. Um, over here, I was looking at um, some some of the statistics in regards to martyrdom, but check this out. I didn't know this, just found this out, but Afghanistan overtook the top spot. So stole the top spot from North Korea this year. I believe this was in 2022. The organization that put this out was one called Open Doors. Um, it says that it was, quote, impossible to live openly as a Christian in Afghanistan. Leaving Islam is considered shameful and Christian converts face dire consequences if their new faith is discovered. You know what exacerbated that? Remember this whole debacle when the you know, this administration pulled out of Afghanistan and left behind like $80 billion worth of the last latest military weapons and tech? Yeah, that whole thing, right? We forgot about that. No one talks about that anymore. That's what I mean. I don't want to start. I'm not going to get started. But that's what happened. That was what happened. The collapse of the U.S.-backed Kabul government. It made the situation like way, way worse. Immeasurably worse, to say the least. Number two on the list of the worst, of course, because Afghanistan took the number one spot, North Korea. 
And this is crazy. Listen to this, family. Christianity was strong in Korea before who? The Soviet occupation after World War II of what became the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. Interesting. What came in and made everything stinky and bad? Communism. Communism. Consequently, the North views Christianity, which claims a higher loyalty. Obviously, our loyalty lies with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as particularly threatening. And um, check this out. This is crazy. Indeed, Kim is currently Kim Jong-un is currently waging war on foreign influences. Little does he know. He's fighting the wrong dude, man. He's, this guy's fighting. He's fighting God Almighty. Goes on to say, very little detail is available on the North's Christian community. So, family, if you can, please pray for our brothers and sisters in North Korea because this is what they face. Defectors have helped open a window into the hermit kingdom. Um, quote, any North Korean caught following Jesus is at immediate risk of imprisonment, brutal torture, and death. Puts a whole new meaning a whole new meaning to what we're talking about right now, right? A whole new meaning, having that that life marked by courageous faith under fire. So it puts I hope it puts per- things into perspective. We have the opportunity to be sharing Jesus Christ pretty open. I think we really need to take advantage of every moment. We we should uh, we should be marked by the way we praise God. So these are characteristics, right? These are different characteristics. We should be marked by the way that we praise God. Um, if if we move on, let's go to Romans 12, 12, and it says, um, I'm sorry, there we go. We should be marked by the way we praise God. Romans 12, 12 says, now Paul tells us three things. First of all, learn how to praise God when you're under pressure and rejoicing in hope. So um, the way that we praise God, it's not, I don't think Paul's talking about when you're sitting in church, even though that is, right? I'm not saying not to. Lift your hands. Close your eyes. Love the Lord. Worship Him. But um, what what Paul's talking about here is when you're under pressure, Right? We need to learn how to praise God when we're under pressure. How many, how many of you know the song Under Pressure by David Bowie? I mean, when I heard that, that's the first thing. Doo, 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 doo. Even though Vanilla Ice totally ripped off that little ditty. But under pressure, right? Um, how can you rejoice when you're going through pressure? Listen. Listen to what the, the Word says. We always want to go back to the Word. When you're a Christian and you're under pressure, the thing that keeps you going is knowing that this isn't going to last forever. And we're going we're gonna to be going to a time of glory and rejoicing in heaven like none of us have ever known. And so we as believers, we rejoice in the hope that we have. <laughs> Ron and I, again, Ron and I talk a whole lot and I'm, I'm always going, man, dude, today's one of those days. I'm so teed off. You know, you read the news, you just get so teed off. And I know this has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I, I oftentimes ask him, dude, how do you how do you deal with this, right? I mean, Ron, he goes on his prayer walks. He reads the Word of God, which is great. And uh, 
But he says, I take it one day at a time, one moment at a time. And he shared with me times of his as he was going through Sears training and um, which is pretty intense. And I, I asked him, hey, dude, how did you get through that? And he said, one moment at a time. And you know what? When we're under pressure, whatever that may be, we need to remember it's for a time and just do it moment by moment. And we'll get through it. And again, we rejoice in hope. But it's the way that we praise the Lord as we are under pressure. And we should also be marked by the way that we persevere. We should be marked by the way that we persevere. Let me go to Psalm 42. This is the first part of verse 5, and it says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Uh, Psalm 42, 43, here we have, we see David, and he's dealing with a, a good chunk of discouragement in his life. Think about it. Absalom has betrayed him. He's sitting on the outside, and he's looking at this. I mean, he's just got this terrible anguish in his heart. And we read his words. You can almost sense it when he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And how does he end it? Hope in God. That's how he ends it. And what did David do? What did David do? He essentially had one of those little self-talks, and he said something like, Self, why are you cast down? He's asking himself this question. Why are you cast down? Hope in God. No matter what's going on around us, no matter what kind of disappointment, no matter what kind of betrayal, no matter what kind of pressure we live under, the one thing we bring to the, to the table the most... The one thing we bring to the paper to man, if I could talk here, the one thing we bring to the table that most people will never understand is that in the midst of all of that, we have our hope in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the difference, huge difference between the way the world reacts and then the way that we do. <clears throat> Persevering in hope, right? And, and really also, um, we, we live in that hope. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. I mean, one of the things that we hope for is the catching away of the church. That is a hope that we have as believers, as remnant believers. And so it's this persevering. Yes, there's all this stuff being thrown at us. But you know why you and I can persevere? It's because we have our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, dwelling within us. We have the Spirit of the living God that's dwelling within us. And it's something that should mark us. The world is looking at us, and they're looking to see how we react. How we react. And we should also be marked by the way that we pray. By the way that we pray. Let me go over here to Romans 12, 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing what? steadfastly in prayer, steadfastly in prayer. This little phrase, it's really interesting because what it essentially means is to be devoted to it. It's this continuing, this ongoing continuation in praying. 
And it what it essentially means is to be strong in the direction that you're going. It uh, it means to be unwavering, right? Like a a what do you call that when you're just anyways forget it. I don't even want to go because I'm gonna forget. I'm gonna spend all this time thinking about what I was trying to say. But essentially, the idea is again: be steadfast, be unwavering unmovable, unmovable. When you have a problem, you pray. When I have a problem, I pray. When we have problems, we pray. You may not pray any other time. And I would encourage you, don't don't just pray. Don't relegate prayer to just when you need something. We talk to the Lord. That's what prayer is. It's this constant communication to the Lord. It's talking. We're having a conversation. We're talking right now. And that's essentially what we do with the Lord. We lay our heart before God Almighty as if he doesn't know already, but he likes the communication. He likes it. When your kids come or your grandkids or whoever you're in a relationship with, right? You love the conversation to communicate with one another. Communication is kind of a big deal. And prayer is that open line of communication between the Lord. But here's the thing. A lot of times we only pray when we got a problem, right? Now, when you got real problems, you definitely pray differently than when you pray normally. That makes sense? When you got like real problems, you definitely pray differently than when you pray normally. I mean, ain't that the truth, right? We don't just pray. We cry out to the Lord in times like that. It is this deep-seated prayer that just kind of wells up from here. Just wells up from here and we just call out, we cry out to the Lord. I'm sure every single one of us has had many times like that. And what God essentially is saying there, the way we're to be marked, is that God wants us to learn how to bring that kind of intensity, right? When we cry out to the Lord, when we're under that kind of pressure... That's the kind of prayer that he wants in our regular routine of life. That's what he's looking for. It's not just, and look, I fall guilty of this. I'm not going to say here, I'm not preaching at you. I'm not even preaching. I'm just talking with you guys. I fall guilty of that. But I know that there are a whole lot of you. My wife is one of them who has that just beautiful gift of prayer. Hey, let's pray for this person. And she just really prays from the heart. And that's something that's beautiful. And I need to learn to be better. Right? Paul Paul is saying that we all need to learn how to pray under pressure. And one day, we have before, we will. Trust me, on the flip side of the rapture, when people come to Christ, there is going to be a whole lot of prayer like that. A whole lot of prayer like that. And so um, what Paul is telling us is he's encouraging us to be marked by a life of that kind of prayer where we cry out to the Lord. And, you know, when you're under pressure, you cry out to the Lord, you pour your all out before God Almighty, and he wants that to be part of our regular routine, that kind of fervency in prayer. Fifth, number oh, five, number oh. Numero cinco, fifth identifying characteristic 
is a life marked by a confirming ministry to others. What? A confirming ministry to others. I mean, let me kind of break that down a bit. So Paul says that our life needs to be marked by a compassionate love for God's people. By These are things that we already talked about. Compassionate love for God's people. Clear standards of morality. By contagious enthusiasm for God. Courageous faith under fire. And now a ministry of support to others. A ministry of support to others. We Here's one way. We minister through generosity. Again, notice here, there's like this three-part, three-tiered section. It's like triple phrases that Paul uses. First of all, he says that we're to be marked by generosity, right? Distributing to the needs of the saints. Let me go and Go to 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18. says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Right? Willing to share. That's what 1 Timothy is saying. And I believe I have this in the Amplified, which I think is great. There's only two words that's added here. For the rich in this present world, instruct them not to be conceited and arrogant. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in what? In good works, to be generous, willing to share with others, willing to share with others. The Bible essentially says that if we have what God has given to most of us, the responsibility, our responsibility that we have is to take that and use it to do good. Use it to do good works. And to what? Right here as it says, be generous and willing to share. That is being marked by a ministry through generosity. Through generosity. We also, what? what's another? This is the second part of this three-tiered ministry. We minister through what? Hospitality. So we got generosity, and now we got hospitality. Notice, not only ministering through generosity, but also ministering through hospitality. And uh, we, we'll, bring, we'll come back to Hebrews 13, 12 in a second. And you know what? I'll leave it up there because we're going to read it. But what Paul says is that you should go back you should go and look for people when, when, you know, let me back up a sec. You know what? I want to read this first. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. So again, this ministry of hospitality, what essentially does that, what essentially does it look like? So, like I was mentioning before, Paul is saying for us to go and look for people that we can bring home. But hold on, caution, caution before, uh, just hang on. I'm not telling you to go and just get anybody, okay? And that's one of the reasons why I like to look every now and then at the Amplified version. And I'm going to do that right now with Hebrews 13.2. This is the Amplified version. And and it kind of, it, it really simplifies things. It, it boils things down for us. 
And it says, do not neglect to extend hospitality to strangers. Here's the expounding, especially among the family of believers being friendly, cordial, gracious, gracious, sharing the comforts of your home and doing your part generously. That is, that is really good. I really, really love the way that the Amplified broke Hebrews 13.2 down. So again, ours is also a ministry to pursue hospitality, to be hospitable. It's something that we need to be proactive about, right? And at the end of the day, like it says here, by doing this, by being hospitable, hey, look, you never know. Some have entertained angels without knowing it. We don't know that. Maybe some of you can recall instances in your own life when you when you you became you were hospitable, you extended hospitality to somebody. Who knows if that person was an angel? You don't know that. Hebrews 13:2 says, "Hey, you know what? When you do that, you never know. Some have uh, entertained angels without knowing it." So, it's important for us to be marked also by a life of ministry in hospitality in hospitality. And we also have to remember that we minister through reciprocity. This one's kind of a toughie. This one's kind of a toughie. Um, And this is the last of the third part, right? Uh, We minister first through generosity. We can also minister through hospitality. And the third part is that we can minister through reciprocity, right? Essentially, what is that? What is reciprocity? I'm sure all of you know that. It's it's this mutual exchange, whether it's a mutual exchange of favors, benefits. Essentially, it's things we do back and forth with one another. We do this mutually. Mutually, I'm sure. I got to show you guys this little clip. I prepared it because as I was preparing for this, and I saw the the ministry here of, of reciprocity where it's really this mutual agreement. It totally reminded me sidetrack, total sidetrack family. So just bear with me. We're in the Christmas season. So uh, I guess this just worked out perfect. But every time I hear the word mutual, it reminds me of the scene from uh, White Christmas. I don't know if any of you have seen. I'm sure a lot of you have seen it. If you haven't seen White Christmas, go check it out. It's a great Christmas movie. We watch it every year. It's with uh, uh, Bing Crosby, Danny Kay. Uh, Rosemary Clooney and um, Vera Ellen. Fantastic dancing, um, good singing, just a good movie. But there's this one scene where um, Bing Crosby and Danny Kay, uh, they're getting introduced to these uh, two gals. (laughs) And one of them says, I'm just going to play the clip and I'll just come. It's four seconds, but you'll see. All right. How do you do? Mutual, I'm sure. I'm sorry. I'm sure a lot of you remember that scene. If you haven't seen the movie, go check it out. But anyways, coming back, I got to reel myself back in here. Again, this ministry of reciprocity, of this mutual exchange of favors, benefits. But here's the hard part. Here's the hard part. This doesn't mean when it's easy. That's not what this is in reference to. All right. So what essentially does that ministry look like? Again, it's not easy. It sounds easy on the at surface level. It sounds easy, of course. 
I'll totally reciprocate when someone is reciprocable. You like that word? I just made that up. But when someone's easygoing and you like them and you want to bless them and they do something for you, you want to do something in return, that's the easy part, right? But what about being a blessing to those who persecute you? What about being a blessing to those who aren't, in our estimation, blessable? And again, I just made that one up, right? That is the hard part. That is a difficult thing to do, to be a blessing even to those who persecute you. Philippians 2, 3 to 4, what does it say? Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And Romans 12, 14, as we're going through Romans, Paul says to bless those who what? Persecute you. He says, bless, don't curse, bless. That's where it gets really, really tough. Because the Lord is telling us through Paul here, he's saying, hey, be a blessing. Don't be self-seeking, even for those that, like I just said, we would call not blessable. Again, Paul's telling us, hey, listen, bless those who persecute you. Uh, What Paul is saying here when he uses the word bless, that's where we get, if you guys have, um, what are those called? Not concordance. Uh, Where you could look up the word um, like a Strong's. Well, a Strong's concordance does that. Um, But you could look at the root word, and essentially that's where we get our word eulogize, where we, we get the word eulogy, right? To eulogize those who curse you. Essentially what that means as believers, it's when somebody some says something bad to us, we got to try and think of a good thing we can say about them, right? A eulogy. We say good things not that the person, the deceased person deserves it, if we're going to be honest. But essentially, that's what eulogizing means, is saying something good about them. Hey, listen, whether they say something bad, bless them that persecute you, eulogize them. Say something nice. Because Paul says, bless, don't curse. And that's a hard thing to do. That's a real, real hard thing to do. I mean, look, let's look at Proverbs. Proverbs here says, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire upon his head. And the Lord will do what? The Lord will reward you. Reward you. Is it hard? Oh, yeah. It's very hard, very hard, because trust me, human nature, we don't want to do that. But imagine the Lord, when he was on the cross hanging, what did the Lord say in one of his statements? He said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Uh, Can we have a moment of honesty here? How many of us would actually say that? Instead of cursing, you better be thankful that I can't come down there and kick your rear in. I mean, probably worse than that. But the Lord didn't do that, did he? Man, they they tortured him. They did all of that. And he was asking for their forgiveness. He was interceding for them at that time. So um, 
if the Lord could do it, he set the example for us. And it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but um, that's something that the Lord is telling us to do. What, what else um, do we need to be doing? We need to rejoice with those who rejoice. That's it. That's what Romans 12, 15 says. Rejoice with those who rejoice. But again, here we go. We think of these things on a surface level. We got to rejoice with those that are buddy-buddy with us, our friends, family, those that are easy to be rejoiceable with. But that's as hard as blessing those who curse us. For some of us, we can't, uh, we can't get to the point where we can rejoice with somebody. Sometimes we don't want to see somebody else rejoice. If we're going to be honest again, we don't want to see them rejoice, especially if there's somebody that's offended us, somebody that's hurt us, somebody that's cut us deep emotionally. In whatever shape or form that might take, we don't want to rejoice when they rejoice. And again, for us, oftentimes, it's easy for us, for those that aren't lovable or rejoiceable with, we want to see the opposite. And the Bible says that if you're going to have the kind of difference-making character that you and I desire, because I desire it too, the kind of character, difference-making character that we desire in a world that is looking for answers, because trust me, family, the entire world is looking for answers, they're looking for truth. Here are some things that are going to be setting us apart, right? Rejoicing with those who rejoice. For us to be blessing those that persecute us as well. And the third one is to weep with those who weep. To weep with those who weep. That's not, uh, that's not all that. So all of these are all challenging. What we have to do is show compassion. Again, is that always easy? No, especially with somebody that's wronged us. We're to show compassion and love for those who weep. When something happens to somebody, we're called to be people who put our arms around them and help them. Oof. Lord is challenging me big time. Big time. And trust me when I say, look, we're, we're going through a whole slew of things right now. And I know this might not be the most popular video, and that's okay. But these are things that we need to constantly revisit. Why do you think that the, the Christian life, the life of the believer, is a lifelong journey? Because I don't know one person that has all of this stuff down pat. I don't know one person. And if anybody ever comes up to me and says, I got all this stuff down pat, I'd be like, yeah, whatever, liar. Because um, there's no way on earth. We're, we're constantly, constantly working. It's this work of sanctification, right? Day in, day out. One day you might have it good. Another day you stink, brother. Bible says we fall seven times in a day. So just to make sure that, you know, we're being honest with ourselves. The sixth and final characteristic, sixth and final characteristic is um, a characteristic is a life marked by a counting pursuit. I'm sorry, continuing pursuit, continuing pursuit of unity. 
a continuing pursuit of unity. Um, I, I don't think I need to tell everybody that the church is, is hurting big time, right? There seems to be more disunity in the church than unity in the church. But uh, what the Lord is telling us, that a life marked by compassionate love for God's people, right? We got a lot. We got a, a compassionate love for God's people, a life marked by clear standards of morality, a life marked by contagious enthusiasm for God, a life marked by courageous faith under fire, a life marked by a confirming ministry to others, and a life marked by a continuing pursuit of unity. A continuing pursuit of unity. What does that look like? What does that look like? And again, I don't think I need to tell you guys that there is a lot of division. Yeah, there's a lot of division in the world. There's a lot of division politically. Our country is fractured, but where my mind goes is that the church is divided on a whole lot, a whole lot. And that's the last place there should be division. And so we, as believers, we should be, uh, we should be marked by a life that encourages unity because the world is looking at the church. We should be encouraging unity is what we should be doing. We should encourage it. Romans 12, 16 says, be of the same mind towards one another. That's the encouragement. That right there, folks, that right there, family, that's the exhortation. It's simple. Nothing crazy about this, right? We're to be like-minded. We are ca we're called to be like-minded. But unfortunately, I think that I think a lot of us could take a look around in the church and go, well, there's not a whole lot of that going on, but we need to be. Let's encourage unity between brothers and sisters in Christ and not um, division. We should also set the example of unity, right? We should encourage it, but we should also set the example. Romans, this is part, the, the second part says, do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. That's what he says, right? Associate with the humble. Essentially, what Paul is saying here is he's like, hey, listen, don't be an elitist. Don't be this class conscious person. Don't, don't be saying things like, Oh, they don't have as much as I do. Actually, I should probably say that with a British accent. Oh, they don't have as much as I do. So I won't eat with them. Or if we if we flip that around, the converse is, the, the converse of that would be Paul telling us also, don't say, well, they have more than I have, so I'm not going to eat with them. Right? There's wrong in both. In the eyes of God, none of that matters. We're all members here. We're talking about believers. We're all members of the body of Christ. We're not to allow this, this class conscious mentality. Because that's of the world. We're not to allow that to enter into the church. And sadly enough, it has. Because what does it do? It destroys unity. 
It creates division within the body of Christ. And again, even though to a large degree it already has, unfortunately, we've got to counter that. We've got to counter that because the Lord does not like that. We've got to set the example. You know, the Lord loved to be with ordinary people. He loved it. Every time you see Jesus, he's hanging out with somebody. He's Man, I'm having issues talking today. He's hanging out with somebody that people thought he shouldn't be hanging out with, right? Some outcast of society or the sinner, somebody he shouldn't be hanging out with, that's who he was hanging out with. And essentially what the Lord was, was doing is he was setting the example of unity, is bringing people together, not dividing. Because the enemy comes to what? To, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He comes to divide. And so we need to be remembering to set the example of unity. Set the example. And then we should be the living expression of unity, the embodiment. We live the we we live uh and serve Almighty God, who is literally the embodiment of unity, and we need to be that living expression of unity. And and what does Paul say about that? Essentially, what does Paul say in Romans 12, 16, the last part, do not be wise in your own opinion. We got a whole lot of that going around, right? Everybody should try to be wise. But there's a difference between what being wise and then wise is. Don't be wise in your own opinion is what Paul is saying. Don't be the only person who thinks you're the only wise one around. The Bible says don't get caught up in who you are. Don't be, don't think of yourself bigger than what you really are, essentially is what the Lord's saying. Hey, you know, there's this law of physics, whatever goes up must come down. Don't get a big head. Eight times, including in this passage in the Bible, we're told, don't be wise in your eyes. I wonder why that is, right? Maybe because... If we're wise in our own eyes, we will have no room left for the wisdom that God wants to impart to each and every one of us. When we're full of ourselves, and we've all heard that saying, when we're all full of ourselves, well, guess what? There's no room for the Lord, so don't be full of yourself. We want to be full of God's wisdom. That's where we want to be wise. We don't want to be wise in our own eyes, in our own opinion. Stop puffing ourselves up. We do it. It is what it is. Let's be honest about it again, right? We all do it. <laughs> we all fall short. Um, and, and again, there's a whole lot here. I just went through a whole lot of stuff. And this is part three. You still got part four and part five. But I think what y'all are starting to see, here we go with y'all. I think what we all are starting to see here is the fact that there is so much so much for the believer to be doing, to be changing, right? For good, for the Lord, things that we need to change within ourselves. It's this constant process, constant, a lifelong process. 
But we need to be doing these things, this refining, because the world is looking at us. We are the light that the Lord has put for others to see here, right? Christ through us, we are a light, we are salt, and the world has their eyes glued on each and every one of us. Yeah, they're waiting for us to mess up and, and so they could pounce on us. But boy, we've been, we sure have been giving the world a whole lot of ammo lately as the church. Way too much. A whole lot. And I know I need to bring it, I need to bring it in for a landing. I'm gonna close, I'm gonna close uh close off here, close out here. Man, I just had a hard time today. Let me just go ahead and restate what I did. Um as, as I concluded last time, I just kind of kind of rephrase it. And again, um, I want to make sure that I'm constantly reiterating these things <clears throat> so we don't miss it. That is that we're to have a life that's marked by a compassionate love for God's people. A clear standard of morality, contagious enthusiasm for God courageous faith under fire, a confirming ministry to other people, and what a continuing pursuit of unity, not division, unity. And when we allow those things to take control of our lives, we become the kind of people God wants us to be. Yes, that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. None of us are. Because like I said, it's this continuing uh, refining process, right? <clears throat> For every single one of us. And the, thing, the, the great thing is that God's given us everything in the Word of God, right here. He has given us everything here, right here, to help us live this way. The Bible is here to guide us. He gave us the Word of God so that we could get into it and it into us. When we open up God's Word and commit to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, when we ask the Holy Spirit to build all of these characteristics in our life, trust me, He's faithful to show us the path of righteousness so that we can walk in it. He is so faithful. We're not faithful a lot of times, but He is. Praise God that He is faithful all the time. So the message that I want all of us to get from Romans 12 <clears throat> is that we have a job, right? We have a job. We just went through it, part 3A, this part right here. Because in this age of skepticism, and a lot of people are skeptic, uh, skeptical about the church, they're very antagonistic towards Christ. So in this age, in this day that we live in, this may be the only way that we're able to reach our generation. And trust me when I tell you folks that there are generations, plural, that are being lost faster than we can say the word lost. It's so important for us to reach the generation, to reach people. So, folks, we can't keep living a life that's just marked by words only. It's, it doesn't matter anymore. It's not a matter of lip service. It's life service. That's a, So no more lip service. We need to be engaging in life service. My question to each and every one of you 
And me, as well as I pose this question, is how are you living? I know that, you know, uh, there was a lot that I gave. A lot. Trust me. It's a lot to take in. But I want each and every one of us to remember that we need to be living our faith, our life out loud for those around us. Jesus Christ did it while he was here on earth, while he walked among us. He set the example. And it's high time right now that we as believers, as the body of Christ, be living our lives in such a way that we draw thirst amongst others because we are salty. Let's be salty people. Let's be salty believers so that other people are thirsty, not for us, but for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if I'm going to boil this all down to two words, kind of not, well, two words, no, but a phrase. And I said in the beginning, what's the best way we could be rapture ready is to make other people rapture ready. And how does that happen? Well, go back and listen to part 3A and 3B. All right, folks. Um <clears throat> Listen, thank you so much for sticking around. I know there's a lot of information, um, and I'm just thankful. I'm thankful that I'm able to just kind of babble it out. And uh, I got two more parts. We got part four and part five, and then I'm going to move on to something else. Um, I think I'm going to be doing these Thursdays. Uh, We'll see. Not too sure, but listen, at the end of the day, family, uh, be thinking about what, um, what I shared with you guys today. Uh, Get into the Word of God. Get the Word of God into you. Remember, share Jesus Christ with as many people as we possibly can because uh, the Lord can come back for His bride any any moment. And I pray He does because things are crazy. Things are nutty. Um, But um, while we're still here, while we have uh, breath in our lungs, while we have life, we need to be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ... I pray, I exhort you to call on the name of the Lord while you may be saved. Yeah, that's exactly. I was thinking something else, but call on the name of the Lord while you may be found and while you may be saved. Because once you breathe your last breath and you haven't called on the name of the Lord, that's it. It's sayonara. It's, it's eternity apart from Jesus Christ in a very, very ugly place called hell. And it's very, very real. You don't want to go there and you don't have to. So seek the Lord while he may be found. Please. Today is the day of salvation. Today it is. If you haven't called on the name of the Lord, I want to encourage you to do so. Shall we pray? Father God, we come before you and we thank you for this time. Pray that Lord, these things would soak in. These truths from your word would soak into our lives. Father, Lord, quick, we, we ask that you would come quickly, Lord Jesus. The world is crazy, but none of this is catching you by surprise. You are God Almighty, King of kings, Lord of lords, Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. You see all things, and we are grateful that we serve a great big God like you. For those that haven't called on you, I pray that, Lord, you would just keep at them. Lord, that you would keep pursuing them. And for, for those of us that are in Christ, may we remember the things that you taught us today and not just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. 
We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, remember, keep looking up. Get into the Word of God. Get the Word of God into you. I hope you guys were blessed, encouraged. I hope you guys were challenged. I know I challenge myself every time I say these things, every time I share my heart with you guys. But remember, one of these days, just one of these days, this will be the last podcast, and we're going to be out of here. What a glorious time that's going to be. Until the next time, Lord bless you guys. See ya. Thank you.